You're listening to the Northwest Allen County Schools Educator Spotlight. Today's guest is Hickory Center Elementary School Kindergarten teacher, Sarah Harmeyer. The host for Educator Spotlight is Curriculum Instruction and Technology Integration Coordinator, Andy Dietrich. Welcome to the very first episode of 2019 of the Northwest Allen County Schools Educator Spotlight. Uh, This first episode is going to be with an elementary teacher because in 2018, the episodes dealt with high school teachers because I'm a former high school teacher and I know those guys the best. But I get to visit elementary schools as part of my job and I just love to go to them. The kids are so cute and they're so happy and they they're they're eager to learn and you know not to say the high school kids aren't either but it's just that at the elementary school it's it's so new and so fresh to those kids it's very special and one of my favorite things to do when I'm at an elementary school is to visit the kindergarten classes because the <laughs> cuteness factor is overwhelming and so as you can just hear this is our kindergarten teacher that we're going to talk to. So today's guest is Sarah Harmeyer. She's a kindergarten teacher at Hickory Center Elementary School, uh, one of my favorite schools to visit. Uh, one of my kids went through Hickory Center. And so let me introduce Mrs. Sarah Harmeyer. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited. <laughs> Obviously, you're a teacher. So what drew you to this profession? Um, I think that what really drew me to the profession is just that it's it seemed obvious for me. Like I, I loved school when I was little. I used to play school in the summer, like with my brother and my neighbors. <laughs> um, and then like, it was just like a logical step for me. I finished high school and I went to college and I, now I'm a teacher. Okay. So where did you go to college to learn how to be a teacher? Um, I went to IPFW. What's well, not IPFW oh, anymore. Great school. <laughs> yep. Now it's Purdue yes. Fort Wayne. Great school. Uh, where'd you do your student teaching at? Um, I student taught in Columbia City at a school called Mary Raper. And I was in a first grade classroom for that. That's a good school system. I like Columbia City. They do some good things yeah. there. And uh, they've built a new elementary school. I think Mary Raper still... They still use that yes. one, uh, and they're and they're on their way to building a new uh, high school. Oh my so, gosh, I didn't awesome know about that. that. Yeah, awesome to that community. It's going to be out on the same complex where their middle school and their um, that one elementary school is out there. I don't remember the names of them, but it's on the same campus. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, how many years have you been a kindergarten teacher? This is my fourth year. Um, and I've only ever taught kindergarten. Well, lucky you. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> as a young teacher. You're really good at what you do, and that's, you know, you're only in your fourth year. It usually takes people to, uh, you know, a few years under their belt to kind of to kind of get it. And you're usually about that f- fifth year you get it, so you're ahead of the mm-hmm. game. So <laughs> tell me about your philosophy of education because that has to be part of it. Yeah, you know, I I feel like my role as their teacher is just to meet the kids where they are and give them what they need. And obviously there's like so much more that goes into it, but I feel like that's like the overarching like idea behind what I do every day. I feel like for me, some things that are really important as far as what I want to portray for my kids is more than just, um, more than just academic 
because obviously like we need to learn the ABCs. We need to learn to count. We need to learn to read. We need to learn to write. But I also want them to be like good problem solvers and like to learn responsibility. And that's, (laughs) can I just say that's the biggest thing we learn in kindergarten? Sorry, sidetracked, but (laughs) it's one of those things that I am still talking about and it's April. I want to teach them to be honest. I want to teach them to be respectful. I think I personally teach them those things by just being a good role model for them. I like maybe I'm crazy for being this way, but I am like one of the most laid back kindergarten teachers you'd probably ever meet. <laughs> no, I would definitely agree um, with that. Absolutely. I like like I don't have a teacher desk. I teach guided reading like in a circle on the floor in the corner of the classroom. Like I I just want them to feel like they can come and talk to me about whatever and like like we're friends. But also, I mean, there has to be that like respect part, but I think that in being this role model for them and teaching them those things that I talked about, like that stuff, the respect part happens naturally. All right. So if if I'm hearing you correctly, actually, well, let me phrase this. This is what I hear. So not only are you teaching them the academic stuff, which is important because you do have your state standards you got to cover, but you're also working on um, the social and emotional learning and skills, which are really, really important because you know, these kids, they're born, they're born in this century. Yeah. And there's a good chance that they're going to live through the rest of this mm-hmm. century. And so you've got to think about, you know, they're going to be working in jobs and doing things that haven't even been created yet. And so those social and emotional skills are going to be much more important than some of the academic stuff. Like you said, they got to be a, a problem solver yeah. and they're going to have to be uh, work together with honesty and respect and they're going to learn how to collaborate and that's what happens in your room and that fact that you said that there's no teacher desk uh, that's yeah. the teacher desk can be like a place of power it's almost like the throne mm-hmm. where the king sits and with you you're out there with them out there in the weeds with them yeah. and working with them as, as almost as a, as an equal and so that allows you to create a, a relationship with the kids where they know you and you know them. And the more that you know them, you're going to be able to, to reach their individual needs and they're going to be able to trust you because you do want to push their envelope. You want them to get outside of their comfort zone, but they want to do that in a place where it's safe. Exactly. And having that relationship with the teacher is real important. And, and that's, to be honest, that's what I see in your classroom the most and that's why I wanted to have you on this oh. podcast because <laughs> that is a neat skill. And I find it really important. You know, it's that it's the relationships with the kids is more important than the academic stuff. So think about your teachers that you have. Yeah. Do you remember worksheet 2.1 that you did in October right? 1st? Right. Like, no, yeah, you, no, you you remember the fun stuff and, and what that teacher did for you as a person. Yes. Yeah, I think that the relationships that I have with the kids is – the relationships I have with the kids are the reason that my kids are able to be successful academically. I think that without the relationship, the way that it is, it'd be much more difficult for them to take risks when they're reading or 
to try something and like not be afraid of failing because like kindergarten's full of failure. (laughs) I hate to be like so negative, but I think like there's so many things that we try as kindergartners that we fail at first. And I think my classroom needs to be a place where they can do that and not feel defeated. They need to be able to do something totally wrong, like fall flat on their face and have me to say, that's okay, let's try again. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I this is music to my ears. I'm like, my face is just beaming <laughs> from hearing this because think about the way that you yourself learn. Trial and error learning is the best way to learn. Yeah. Like you're going to try something, you know, first time you bake a cake, you're like, uh, yeah, that didn't come out so well. So then you kind of brainstorm, okay, so what can I do different? Right. And you go try that and it either works or it doesn't. And, and you just keep trying things. I mean, yeah. that's part of the design process. So, you know, some of these kids may be engineers and they may be industrial designers. They could be, you know, coders and they're making a game and there's a lot of trial and error now. Yeah. So you should not be afraid of failure. To me, failure is simply opportunity. You want failure because you learn Absolutely. from that. I completely agree with that. All right. So when I visit your classroom, you know, you do have a lot of centers going on mm-hmm. and the kids are basically, they're working independently for the most yeah. part and they're successful at it. So how do you get five years, five and six year olds to be able to do that? Because that's, that's got to be like herding cats. <laughs> kind of is in August. It's okay. Um, it's, it takes so much time to get them to that point. Um, just because like, okay, so we start with this big idea of the fact that we're going to do things called reading centers. Right. And I like kind of hype the kids for it. And like we practice, we try each kind of center that we're going to do and we go through, we practice each one, we build stamina, all of this. And I think that once we do get to a point where we're working independently, like they, they can get on their Chromebooks and do their listen to reading or their word work completely by themselves without my help. And then they can go and go to work on writing and sit and write a sentence or at this point a few sentences about anything they want to write about by themselves like it's so cool to see because then on like any day like you could walk in and you did and I could step back from the classroom for 10 minutes and it like it continued to function they continued to be working (laughs) that is exactly what was happening and and that was it was neat. And the kids, they with they, they didn't have to go in a center like together. So there wasn't like you got 10 minutes here and then right. you'd say rotate and they move. A kid would finish something and then they would just get up and go to the next one. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. that was pretty good. I, I like that the best. And then, of course, there was the one cute little girl who had to tell me, you know that <laughs> Mrs. Harmeyer is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Harmeyer is having a baby. <laughs> she was beaming about it. She couldn't wait to tell. Me. Oh my gosh! She I couldn't know. wait, and that was so. <laughs> and, uh, and to me, that that's another demonstration of the the relationship and the trust. Like she yeah. was proud of you, and she couldn't wait to tell other people how proud she was because that's really what was happening. And that's yeah. just that's absolutely fantastic. 
Okay. So uh, a year ago, you were introduced to the Chromebooks yes. in your kindergarten <laughs> classroom. So, uh, and this is year two of that. And, and you're pretty tech savvy. So tell yeah. us what that journey's been like for the last year and a half with Chromebooks with kindergartners. Yeah. Um, Chromebooks with kindergartners. Oh my gosh. Um, can I tell you the first day I was so nervous? <laughs> um, I think we've come a long way as far as like what we can do with them just because of um, kind of my understanding and comfort level with how to use them in my teaching. So like I'm 26 years old. I've, gr- I've grown up using technology. So it's not the how to use it or like I can't get this to work that's challenging for me. It's more like the how can I make my teaching better with this thing? Like I know how to use it. I, the kids know how to use it. They like they pick everything up so quickly. I show them something once and they're pros at it. So really the challenge over the last two years has been what can I do to make my teaching better versus just like replacing something that I was already doing that was maybe paper pencil or something like that. Um, And I think that we like, we use our Chromebooks all throughout the day in guided read or not guided reading. I'm sorry. In our daily five centers, we use it during math. We use it for isolated lessons here and there, but we're using them all the time. You know, and, and for our listeners, that doesn't mean the kids are sitting in front of the Chromebook. Oh, no, not at all. All the time. It's it's just, it's a it's a tool that you guys use often. So th- yes. I would, uh, for our listeners, I would picture it as, you know, sit on the desk, you're going to have paper and you're going to have a pencil and you might have some crayons. Right. And the Chromebook is just really another one of those. It's one of those things that's just out when we're working. Like, for example, in math, when we're doing like, I use task cards with my kindergartners where they are basically they're doing um, just review skills when they're there, but it's completely independent and they're able to like use manipulatives, look at these task cards for directions and then use their Chromebook to kind of like rehash back to me what they've learned or show me what they're doing or show me why they figured out the answer is this kind of thing. So it's just another, like, it's just another tool. It's another thing that we have out when we're working. And it's so cool to see what the kids can do on those things. So it sounds like you're using Flipgrid um, I, or Seesaw. I use Seesaw, yeah. So for some of our listeners, if you're not familiar with Seesaw, is basically Seesaw, one of the best things it can do, that it can do is the kids can record themselves. And so what's really good for that from the kid's perspective and especially from the teacher is the kid gets an opportunity to show you and tell you what they know and the teacher can then view the video later and they can see the excitement in the kids and, and the nonverbal communication. And you really get a chance to really understand what you they can know. You really understand their thinking though too. Like, cause you can see exactly every step of the way versus just the answer that's on a piece of paper. So it kind of gives me a different insight than what I had previously too. Yeah. And the beauty of that technology is, is that you, there's no possible way that you can be in front of every kid at every possible second. Exactly. But what the technology does is it allows you to record that so that you can go back and look at it. And then you can come in the next day or even later in the day, you, you can adjust 
the instruction for that particular kid because you really know how they're thinking. Yes. And I think that's one of the best ways of using the Chromebook. I think technology for me is a creative tool. And it's a creative tool where the kids can really show you what they know. And so at, at a middle school and upper elementary and even high school, you know, the, the kids can be doing audio work. They can be doing video work. Um, you know, they can be doing animation if they got the right software. And so that's that's going to be kind of difficult for a kindergartner, obviously. Yeah. But they can they love taking a video of themselves. Oh and that's gosh. an expression. They love to look at themselves in that camera. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had the kids film themselves to tell a story that they made up? That's such a good idea. Why have I never thought to do that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, like think about it. The kids always want to tell a story. Yes. So, you know, maybe some over the weekend they're like, you know, hey, we got a new puppy. So maybe the kid could could make a little puppy puppet and they can tell the story like that. I think that would be really. sparked like so many like creative writing ideas right now. Like what if we could record our voice? or record ourselves telling me this made up story and then refer back to it to actually physically write it on paper. That could be so cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. In fact, gosh, if they could record it as a kindergartner and then as a second grader, write the story. Yeah. Oh, what a thrill that would be. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm a big fan of the podcast medium and I, you know, fortunate enough that I had enough faith in myself to figure out how to do this. And now I, I have two different podcast shows and, and it's not that hard, but it, it's a new way to express it. And we have uh, middle school kids and we have high school kids that they do make podcasts for certain class projects. That's so cool. Because, they, you know, they've always they've always done, you know, the PowerPoint presentation and and they've had the write the story and the poem. So yes. here the kid writes a poem, but then they can add the voice inflection. And yeah. if you want to put in background music, you can do that. Like it's so just, the technology just adds such a powerful aspect that like that wasn't there before. And I think it's so cool what the big kids can do with some of this stuff. And I think, I mean, even what the littles do, it's amazing. Yeah. The littles are doing no different than what the bigger kids do. Just the bigger kids have a little bit more tools and some other software available to them, but it's the same conception. It's the same. So how has the technology helped with communicating with your parents? Um, I think that part's been kind of cool because I, so I give my parents complete access to see their kids' stuff on Seesaw. And it's so cool when you get, like, parent feedback on there because they can comment on their kids' stuff. And, uh, like, they write the comments to their kids typically. But it's just neat to see that they like they're on there and they're looking and they see the stuff that they're learning. Like, maybe it's because I'm a kindergarten teacher. I think it's amazing that kids go from like not knowing all their letters to like reading books (laughs) in like one year's time. So the parents get to see that happen like through a video. They get to watch their kid do the things that they're doing in their classroom. And they're so just like amazed and excited. And it just brings this whole different dialogue to it because now that they can go home the kids can go home and talk to mom or dad or grandma or whoever they live with about what they did at school and mom can say yes I know I saw like they can just help validate the good work that they're doing at school and then the other side of that too is when there is a kid that's struggling with something and they can see that on 
something that they've done on Seesaw, then they see the room for opportunity and the room for growth and they can work with them at home too. So it's been really cool to have that aspect of the communication with parents. Yeah, if you think before that, you know, the kids will have a folder they take home and you can always write in a note. They're right. going to see their papers or and you can send them an email. But seeing the kid there in the video, yeah. that's extremely powerful. Yeah. And you're right. And it, it, it kind of helps create that partnership. You know, it takes a village. Yes, it absolutely and it, does. Yeah, and education is a partnership between student, teacher, and parent, and they all they all kind of work equally at it. Yeah. So we are about three quarters of the way through the school year. Something crazy, fun, silly has happened during the year, probably multiple times. But <laughs> what has been the favorite thing that has happened in your classroom this year? Um. So we went to a different um, pumpkin patch this year in October. And I think <laughs> it was the most fun day. And I think that I was honestly, I was a little worried that when we went to this farm, that it was going to be too like baby for our kids. I know that sounds funny, but like it was not going to be, there wasn't going to be enough academic or like, I was worried. So we get there and it was an amazing trip. We had so much fun. And I think the biggest takeaway that I had from this trip was not only that we need to go there again because the kids had so much fun and they learned so much, but that play is important, not only when you're five, but when you're 26, like me, I think we, <laughs> we played in this corn pit and the kids were totally trying to bury me in corn and we went in corn mazes. Um, and we just played and we had so much fun and okay. Can I tell you something? I am not cut out for mazes of any kind. Um, it's a weakness of mine. <laughs> so you get lost yes. easy. I was in this corn maze or hay maze or whatever it is with like six, five-year-olds. Okay. And we have like gone through this whole thing and we're walking and like, Oh my gosh, I can't find the way out. And so finally, we're like, okay, we got to find the way out of here. And so we're like running up and down, like through this corn maze, and we can't find our way out. So the person that found the way was not me. I'll have you know, it was one of the five-year-olds that was with me. <laughs> but it's, I think that was probably one of the highlights of this school year, because it just, it kind of like, it was a, it was an amazing field trip for the kids. They learned so much, but also like I learned a lot too just from taking the time to like be and to play and it all kind of goes back to that relationship stuff that we talked about. Like I don't think that I could have taught the kids the things I taught them without that relationship and I think that was right at the start of it, you know? So I just feel like that was kind of a highlight of this year. Yeah, and you, and you guys, sounds like you guys, you worked together as a team. Yeah. And you you trusted a five-year-old to help. Yeah, and totally. And help. And it and worked. Just, that's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, you talk about play and recess is so important. And as the kids get older, like when they get into sixth grade, yeah. there's really not recess anymore. And my oldest son is a senior. And he, in his uh, schedule this year, he made sure he took the strength and conditioning class. Yeah. And he also took a class in the fall called uh, team sports. 
or lifetime sports or something like that. Okay. Well, anyway, they would play wiffle ball. They would oh, play God. volleyball. Basically, I called it recess. Yeah, totally. And it was awesome. So in, in my job, I get to roam the halls. I would actually come across them in his team sports class, and they're having a blast. They're in there Aww. playing wiffle ball, yeah. and they're they're giggling. They're having fun. You know, they argue with each other. They celebrate the wins, yes. and, and it's co-ed. And so I'm like, what a joy for these kids. Yeah. Here's high school kids at a very academic school, and they get to play every day. Yeah, that's amazing. No, I think – so let me backtrack for a second because at the beginning of every single – school year I read this book about filling each other's buckets like how to be kind to one another and all of this and so I think that and it comes up so often where I'm like you can't fill anyone else's bucket if your bucket is empty and if that means that we need to play so that you your bucket is full like what do we need to do to fill your bucket so that you can fill your friends buckets And I think it's the same, like, it's the same for me. If my bucket's empty, I have nothing to give to the kids. So it's, and we, we totally talked about this today in our collaboration, like the self-care piece of like just teaching and like being a student also, it's, it's so important and you, you really can't, you really can't fill anyone else's bucket unless yours is full and if it takes play then play (laughs) Uh, have an empathy for your fellow person your fellow people you know your neighbors your friends yeah it's really important you know and i talked about the design process earlier and the first step of the design process is empathy what does your end user what does your customer need yeah you have to understand them and i think as a teacher uh, i think we need to put ourselves in our kids shoes and uh, some of our teachers have gotten permission occasionally to uh, basically have a sub that day, and then they just pretend they're a student. So we've had a couple huh? of teachers do that at the high school That's so cool. where they just go around and be a student for the day. Huh? And it's it's eye-opening to that teacher. And it's, you know, part of it is a lot of things that I've heard those teachers say is it's so bang, bang. They're, it's it's up, down, move to the next one. Yeah. You never get a chance to, like, process There's it. No and then. There. And then there's a lot of down boring time where it's not as engaging. And then I think, I think that's an eye opener to a teacher is, you know, if you, if you don't make it fun, right, it's not going to be, and it can't be all, you know, candy and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time, but right. <laughs> you need to have it make it, it's gotta be fun. Cause if it's not fun, it can't be sustainable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it needs to be awesome. engaging. <laughs> Yeah, engagement is great. Well, your your classroom is special. Your the building that you work in is special, and our district is special. And uh, the parents who who have entrusted you with their kids, they should feel uh, very very pleased with what you do. So, uh, Sarah, thank you for having you being on the show. It's such a it's just neat to hear other educators talk about the important stuff. And you know, we didn't talk about a standardized test or anything like that. It's about the kids. What do the kids need? And let me help that kid become the best they can be. Absolutely. So again, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Andy.
Thank you for listening to Northwest Allen County School Educator Spotlight. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review since it really helps get the show noticed. Special thanks to Sarah Harmeyer for being a great guest on this episode. The interview with Sarah was made by using Zencaster.com. Sound recording was made using Blue Snowball by Blue Microphones. Podcast was edited and produced using Apple's GarageBand. Intro and outro music is leveled up by Bad Snacks. Voice of the intro and outro is NAC's Chief Communications Officer, Lizette Downey. Look for future episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever pods are casted. Now you've seen, you know, the blood and guts of this, and isn't it amazing that they do yeah, sound halfway like, professional? Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Yeah, like, like thank God we're not in front of a studio audience. Just to be like a joke. Be laughing. Okay. <laughs>